Hey, welcome to the C3 Auckland podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, head to c3church.org.nz. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, welcome to 2021. Uh, we're here. It's exciting. It's a cool time of year, actually, uh, to just have some space to dream again and think again and plot and plan for the year. And at the end of my message, we're just going to do a couple of things. We're going to bring those plans to God, commit them before him. And for those of you who are still kind of struggling with that, what's my thing for this year? We're going to pray for you too, for clarity and direction, all right? So my message this morning, along with our theme of It's Our Thing, is called The Big Small. Bring in it. Bring in the big small. We should have a title screen for that somewhere happening. Yes, we do. The big small. And the idea was sparked to me uh, during a conversation I had with a visitor to the church early in the year, coming from another church uh, just for that um, morning because their church was uh, not running services. But I had a great chat with him, a young guy, maybe mid-twenties, and as I do, because I can't help myself, I just go, so what's in your heart for 2021? And I can put that out to you here this morning, what's in your heart for 2021? And his response was, you know, because he's young, it's like, there's something big, you know, there's a new move of God on the way, there's something for my generation, I just, you know, he had that wonderful stirring of God in his heart for the year, just couldn't quite put his finger on what that thing actually was or articulate um, that, at, that, that with clarity, but you had that desire to make a difference to do something significant for God and, and, and to be useful. And I had that inward laugh because we can all relate to that feeling, right? That desire, that stirring of God, that there's a, a fullness or a future or there's a something there, but we can't figure out the here. Or we have lofty ambitions, but a reality of circumstance. Here. There's almost like a veil between our, our future and our presence. Uh, we have these space in the early part of the year to, to dream and to think, and, and God puts those things in our heart. Uh, but I want to help bring some of those things for clarity. I, I get annoyed at everyone that just knows. Who's here that just knows? I know what I'm doing. I know what God's called me to do. That's it. Put your hand up so I can be annoyed at you. My husband's like that. He's so annoying. No, don't tell him I said that. He's lovely. But I've never been that person. Like I've got a vague kind of idea and I just, oh, I'm always begging God for clarity. And this morning I'm going to speak out of Acts chapter 6 and it is in line with our our theme, it's our theme, uh, and it's a problem in the early church, looking how it was solved and hopefully getting some practical takeaways we can bring to our 2021, be it in church life, be it in our workplaces, our families, or our communities that we are involved with. And it goes like this, I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation here this morning. 
has the heading servant leaders. During those days, the number of Jesus' followers kept multiplying gratefully. Those are good days, aren't they? But a complaint, oh no, was brought against those who spoke Aramaic by the Greek-speaking Jews, who felt their widows were being overlooked during the daily distribution of food. The 12 apostles called a meeting of all the believers and told them, it is not advantageous for us to be pulled away from the word of God to wait on tables. We want you to carefully select from among yourselves seven godly men. Make sure they are honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving that will enable us to give our full attention to prayer and preaching the word of God. Everyone in the church loved this idea. That's a miracle in itself. They loved this idea, so they chose seven men. One of them was Stephen, who was known as a man full of faith and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Along with him, they chose Philip, Prochorus, Nicantor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, who had converted to Judaism. All seven stood before the apostles who laid their hands on them and prayed for them, commissioning them into this ministry. God's word reigned supreme and kept spreading. The number of Jesus' followers in Jerusalem grew quickly and increased by the day. Even a great number of Jewish priests became believers and were obedient to the faith, which is like a miracle during those times of opposition. So they had this complaint of injustice and neglect, which had the opportunity to divide the church and uh, hinder the growth of the early church. And it was solved by seven men accepting small and glorious tasks of service. Small, inglorious, ignoranious acts of service. The opposite of what we desire. So let me give you some context for this scripture. The Jerusalem church was made up of two distinct groups. There were Hebrews within it uh, that were mainly from Judea. So they had all the customs uh, of, of and spoke the language. And then there were the Hellenists who were Jewish but had grown up in Greek regions around the Roman Empire and had um, taken on most of the customs of the the Greek culture. And so there was a bit of like, you guys have sold out and then these guys thinking you guys are arrogant. And, you know, there's a bit of tension within the early church because of it. Um, yeah. So there's already that kind of slight kind of thing going on in that early church. And they knew uh, that the church had received relief funds from the congregation that was to be distributed to all of those in need. But for whatever reason, either deliberate or otherwise, the most vulnerable within the community, which were the widows, were being neglected. So they didn't have a, a system, a government system of social welfare. Like, if you, didn't, if you didn't have a way of means of supporting yourself, 
there was nothing, right? So in, in, the, in the Jewish temple, they got provided for with weekly um, food parcels. They step out of that into Christianity. They're really dependent on their Christian brothers and sisters to providing practical help for them. So there was a hoo-ha. You know, what I'm saying here is this was not just, oh, there's no one to wait the tables. It was a hoo-ha. It was like a, it was like a, a bomb about to go in the church. Do you get it? It's like it wasn't just a, oh, we need someone to serve the tables. It's like there is actually something here that has the potential to blow this thing apart and to hinder the growth of the church. And what may appear as a minor thing to us reveals that there was something much deeper going on in the church. And the apostles address it by asking the church, i.e., people in the chairs, you, to find some qualified people to administer the money and oversee its distribution, right? That's where we're at. That's what it looks like. So my first point here this morning is what seems like an insignificant assignment has deep impact, right? And we see weight on tables as, you know, like potentially you could read it and go, oh, they're just... They, they were filling the cups of water and they were actually providing the food. Well, actually, the, the tables refer to the money exchange table. So it was probably a more um, high-level job than just waiting on tables. They were in charge of, you know, administrating the money that came in and then making sure that everybody um, received their needs. Uh, and when we read the apostles like, oh, we're too important, we've got more important things to do, we can go, oh, you think you're better than them. But actually in the Greek, um, the same Greek word is used for the distribution of food and the ministry that the apostles performed. Uh, the idea behind the word in both places is service. So it's aligning practical service and spiritual service at the same level of importance. You know, and this to me tells us that God takes no part of his kingdom lightly. And notice that the ministry, um, the people that were required to do this, they had pretty high qualifications they had to meet, you know? They had to be of good reputation, have wisdom, be full of the Holy Spirit. This idea of being full of the Spirit applies to those who have so fully given themselves to following Christ that God's saving, sanctifying, and edifying grace is clearly and continuously continuously manifested in their lives, i.e. Christians that are serving look like Christians. They're fully abandoned to the call of God on their life. They're fully transformed and walking the pathway of following Jesus. And there's no mention of the seven saying, I'm not sure if this is my thing. Or I'm too busy, girlfriend. I got things to do. Maybe in a few months, perhaps, if I can get my life together. No. They just go, yes, we're in. We're doing it. You know, there's never a right time or a right role. There's just an opportunity. 
And I know that we're looking for meaningful service. God's planted this inside of us. But it starts here small. I love this quote by J.R. Tolkien in his Lord of the Rings. It says, even small creatures, or even the smallest person, can change the course of the future. This idea of small, small, insignificant, what we see is not always what it appears to be. Number two, yeah, I love this. It's actually stolen from a quote by D.L. Moody. And it's is this, the reward of service is more service. Ha-ha! If you are faithful in the small, you will be faithful with the large. Luke 16, 10. This is the heart of kingdom service. It never stops. Right? The reward of service is more service. And I love this because we hear uh, of two of the seven in other places in the New Testament. We see Stephen. He goes on to make the famous defense of the faith before the Jewish council, being martyred for his stand, but being remembered forever through it being recorded in the Bible. Right? And Philip, he becomes this evangelist. It is recorded of him leading an eunuch from Ethiopia to Jesus. I'll say that again. He leads a eunuch from Ethiopia to Jesus. And this eunuch is mentioned as having great authority under the Ethiopian queen. So the impact of one conversion could have had significant impact with the surrounding nations. And he is mentioned later preaching everywhere in Acts 840, but Philip found himself in Azotus. I'm sorry for my pronunciation. And he passed through and he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. It didn't, it started with the small, with the practical, with the seemingly insignificant act of administrating money to help the poor and the helpless. It ended up with significant spiritual impactful, life-changing, world-changing impact. The thing that we want and desire, the thing that's in our hearts, it started small, but it didn't finish. It didn't go, oh, I'm just doing the housekeeping. It, 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 it was people that were full of God that understood the housekeeping needs to get done and the, the spiritual work needs to continue and do more. And I understand in this church congregation, there's people here that are, have been serving for many, many years and you're, you've, you do your thing. But I encourage you to do something else something more, step into something more than just ticking a box because we need help around here. And yes, we do need help. We do need the church engaged in, in seemingly unspiritual things, but God has more for you. Philip and Stephen didn't go, oh, well, that's just my thing and I've done it. 
They continued to do what God had placed inside of them and step into the more of God, right? There is more for you. The reward of service is more service. It doesn't finish. Step into God. Step into more of God. Discover your calling, your context, your your giftings, and make that uneasy step to step out of something that's very comfortable for you to do, very easy for you to do, and ask God, what is it that I you want me to do? And I'm not just talking about in the context of the church. I'm talking about your workplace and your communities. Do you know what I mean? Like this year, I feel like God's calling me into bigger spaces or different spaces. Not that I'm I'm here, I'm I'm 100% here, but I just, I had that same stirring and I got an opportunity to apply to a mentor at Auckland University and I thought, why not? Once a month, it's a small thing. Who knows what God could have for me speaking into a young person's life around my qualification and career. It doesn't finish step into the more. And lastly, engagement wins. Oh, the thing about this story is it's a winning story. It's not like, yeah, there was a complaint and there was an issue and the church fell apart and the disciples were splurred, you know? It's a win moment. They got it together. They engaged. Everyone played their part and there's a win, right? In Acts 6, 8, the word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. The word of God spreads. The church grows. Disciples are multiplied. Engagement wins. And I want you to get that. Engagement wins. Everyone in this story engages. The apostles, they take responsibility and provide a solution. They don't sweep it under the carpet and say, oh, get over it and get on with it. They go, there is a problem. We're going to address it, but we can't do it ourselves. We need some people to put their hands up for it. The church engages. A, they love the idea of the apostles, and B, they found and got behind the search for the seven. They didn't leave it to somebody else. You find them. Oh, sort it out, you apostles. No, they went, yeah, let's do this. We've got the solution. And then the seven people, they served and they did the work. As they all played their part, widows were looked after. The apostles got to focus on their call to preach, teach, and minister. And and these guys were healing people. They were casting out demons. They were bringing freedom in people's lives. They were called to do that. The church continues to grow. Seven are released into service and future world impact. And unity is restored in the church. Engagement wins. So can I leave you with some key takeaways? And hopefully you understand that this is regardless of context. So I'm not just saying here. I'm saying in your work, in your family life. Whatever context you find yourself, take these things away. Christians, we need to be full of servant-hearted Christian love, right? It's got to be key to who we are if we're going to make an ounce of difference in this world. So firstly, major in the minors. 
we want big, God asks for small. Small is doable. Small removes ego. Small opens doors of learning of people. What's your next small step? You don't have to write a book. Write to the letter of the editor and tell them their stuff's done. I don't know. Start small. Small's doable. And then do it. Just do it. You know, they say, like, if you do, uh, you know, people at the beginning of the year, they say, oh, I'm going to get really fit and lose 10 kgs this year. And they, 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 what are the steps? No one does it, right? And then they're just like, just do one easy thing. It's doable, a small thing, like 10 sit-ups a day. It's better than no sit-ups a day. And then you go, hmm, I sorted that out. I've got my 10 sit-ups going up. Now I'm going to go for a 30, no, maybe a five-minute run. Run, post, lamp post, you know. Do the small things. You'll get to where you want to go. What is it? A, a, a journey of a 1,000 miles is starts with the first step. Major in the minors. Number two, let nothing be beneath you. Don't despise kids' church or cleaning the toilets or mowing your neighbor's lawn or turning up early to work. Let nothing be beneath you. If you're a boss of a company, my boss at Fackelman is just incredible. He does the dishes he wanders the corridors. He doesn't isolate in an ivory tower and be removed from people. Nothing's beneath him. He's cleaning out the fresh. I'm like, Paul, you can probably find someone else to do that job. He's an amazing servant-hearted leader. Let nothing be beneath you. Jesus, our saviour, our role model, who we are to become like, washes the feet of his disciples. There's no more disgusting job than washing someone else's feet. Jesus sacrifices his life to give us life. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. He is our model. We have to un not let anything be beneath us. Thirdly, be full of the Spirit. You know, my passion is to see Christians actually be transformed to be like Jesus and to surrender their whole life to following Him. Get on to your spiritual disciplines. Keep praying and fasting and growing in your faith. Keep seeking God's will for your life. Keep praying that the Holy Spirit reveals more to you. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. You know, push into a fullness of Christian living. And lastly, bring it to God. And that's what we want to do here this morning. The apostles laid the hands on the seven, not to impart any kind of gifting, but to give them authority for a task. And I think there's nothing more important to do at the beginning of the year to bring your plans to God. Don't make all your plans outside of Him and outside of kingdom life. Bring your, bring your plans for whatever you want to do, whether it's, 
you know, in your family, in your workplace, in your schools, in your communities, in, in whatever you're doing this year. Just bring them to God and say, God, if this is your will, I want to do this stuff. You know, show me your pathways. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more about our church or to find out what's coming up, check out c3church.org.nz.